Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Steve Rogers. He's a consultant, a speaker, and author of a book titled Lead to Gold, an Entrepreneur's Guide Through Transition, Transformation, and Evolution. Now look at those words, transition, transformation, evolution. Those are really powerful words that all have to do with change. And as an entrepreneur, a business owner, an executive, or a sales leader, sales professional, there is no such thing as standing still. You, you have to change. You have to transform and evolve just to maintain what you have. One of my favorite quotes is from an Italian author named Giuseppe Lampedusa, who wrote a, a book called The Leopard. He said, if we want things to stay as they are, things will have to change. So if you want to move forward, if you want to reach the next level, they need to change and change with a purpose. And my guest today, Steve Rogers, is an expert at helping businesses achieve amazing outcomes through purpose-based growth. And he's going to help us sort out what you need to do to achieve the same. So Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Andy. Oh, my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, my background is uh, kind of wide and varied. I was in the restaurant hotel industry up through my teens and 20s. I transitioned from that and got into the real estate space, became a real estate salesman here in Southern California. I evolved from the sales to the management piece, and I became a real estate branch manager in a company called Grubbin Ellis Real Estate, which is a residential and a commercial real estate firm. Did that for about six years, had actually pretty great success for a young uh, buck coming up the system. Um, ended up uh, leaving that company after it got sold and ended up at a company called Prudential California Realty, which sure. is a franchise of the Prudential Insurance. And Andy, I know you live in San Diego, so you probably remember seeing a lot of Prudential for sale signs in the yard. Well, I, I worked with Prudential for selling a couple of my homes here. Oh, you did? Great. Well, and that, that's actually changed quite a bit. Now they're not even Prudential anymore. Berkshire Hathaway uh, actually bought the Prudential brand and is converting everything over Berkshire Hathaway. So there's quite a change in the real estate space. Um, and when I was with them for 15 years, I started with them. And they had maybe 10 or 12 offices when I started with them at the time. And then by the time I was at the peak and the pinnacle of my path with them, we had grown that company up to about 100 offices and around 4,500 salespeople. And we were doing around $25 billion a year in sales volume and almost 35,000 transactions a year. So the people that owned that company owned the very number one uh, Prudential franchise, and they turned it into quite uh, a monumental, uh, successful business. I ultimately became the CEO of that company. So I started out as a manager there, 
And then I became the CEO of that firm, and it grew um, my career quite well. So it was, a, it was an exciting uh, conversion during that time period. Yeah, God, that's, I didn't realize that that one franchise with 100 offices, that's... that's uh, yeah, yeah. They, they branched from originally to San Diego when I started with them, but then over the years they acquired companies and they grew. And we, we branched from San Luis Obispo uh, through Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, and the whole Coachella Valley. So it was quite a big operation. We had title and escrow mortgage companies, so we had quite a different... Uh, different sales channels, as I know on your, your show here, you talk about building sales and building revenue and building profit centers, and we did that quite a bit over the years. So how many salespeople did you have altogether then? At our peak, we had 4,700, um, and we had about 105 offices, and um, wow. I, uh, I was, uh, you know, went from being a branch manager to the president and the CEO, and obviously as a CEO, I had many regional managers and vice presidents. Most of the branches had anywhere from a low of 35 agents. But most of the offices probably ranged around, you know, 6,500, excuse me, 65 to 100 agents in some of our larger offices. And, uh, but it was, it was a pretty big operation. It, it, at its uh, peak, was the fifth largest real estate company in the nation on its own standing, uh, just this franchise in Southern California. So how did you train all those salespeople? How did you train all those agents? It's, I mean, I know that they're all independent contractors, so a lot of them have their independent coaches and so on that they, especially in the real estate business, that seems to be pretty big to have professional coaches. But, you know, what responsibility did you as Prudential take for training them? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually did a lot of training myself. When I first came in the company as a manager, I was a manager and I was a co-trainer. So we had classes almost every single day in the company on some topics. And we had a, uh, a Mission Valley training center and then we had a North County training center. So the agents could go to various locations. And they ranged on sales from sales techniques, understanding personality styles, negotiation skills, marketing. Um, and then we would just have very various classes that they would come in. They'd be sometimes two hours, four hours, six hours long, or maybe they were two-day workshops. Um, and those then were also sometimes boiled down to the branch level. So every week, the sales manager would have a sales meeting in their branch just for their own agents, and the sales meeting was partial motivation, rah-rah, education, and legal issues. And then we did have trainers that came in from outside of the company. We'd bring various tra trainers in for sales rallies and workshops, and, um, but we were very, very big on training. We also had a mentor program, so if someone was coming in as a new agent, we had paid our seasoned man uh, agents who would take on anywhere from four to eight agents at a time. And they would receive part of our commissions as a company to help take these people under their wing in addition to workshops and classes that they were going through. So we were, we were really big on the training module. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Well, I want to talk about your book. I mean, so, and this topic of change, is, this is a fascinating topic for me because I said it's, it's, it's a loaded topic in many respects. But also, it's, <laughs> it's just a fundamental fact of life that, that you can't, there is no standing still, right? I mean, you need to be able to always be open to change. You need to be changing I said even to maintain what you have, let alone to to progress. So, what's the premise behind lead to gold? Yeah, it's actually led to gold. Uh, oh, led to gold, huh? It's, yeah, and, and I I knew that word would confuse people as it read because it reads exactly like lead and lead the same way. But the way it came about was um, I've had a lot of change and transition in my life. Some chosen, some forced. Um, and I realized that in whether either one chosen or forced change, that I'm a proponent. Just my personality style. <clears throat> the, the sign of a Scorpio um, that just seems to like, I, I thrive on change. And I know some people don't. Many people do not like change. People do like to keep things status quo. For whatever reason, I'm just one of those personality styles that I like to fuel and, and, and have change happen. I found at a very young age that it fueled empowerment for me. It fueled growth and it fueled energy. Uh, and even though it fueled fear, 
um, I realized once I could break through that fear, there was a lot of power on the other side of that. So I've always been fascinated with change. But probably where the book came from, the title, is in addition to me loving change, um, I love the book The Alchemist. Um, and there's a book that Paulo Coelho wrote. I don't know if you've ever read it called The Alchemist. Right. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. And many people have read that book. And if you haven't, I highly recommend people that are listening to read it. And it's a great parable of Santiago who does a, a travel to find his, um, his personal legend, which he didn't even know he was looking for at the time. But it's journeys and tra- travels and lessons he's learned along the way. So I love the book and I love the name Alchemist. And I love the word alchemy that represents change and turning something from something that's valuable, such as lead, into something more valuable, such as gold. So there's a lot of stories told about the alchemists. They did many things of their, the stories and the myths and all this stuff, but they were you know, known to supposedly turn lead into gold. So I thought it would be a fun title to have a book, Lead to Gold. And then the subtitle is An Entrepreneur's Journey Through Change, uh, change Transition, and Transformation, and Ultimately Evolution. And that really got prompted as much as I had a, a wonderful trail and path on corporate America, climbing the ladder from being a manager and then over a 15-year period becoming a CEO of a very large company, um, that, all, that company also um, in 2001 got bought by Warren Buffett. So the Prudential franchise in Southern California was owned by Home Services of America, Warren Buffett, and that was quite a highlight of my career. So I, you know, I had a, a badge of honor to say I was a Warren Buffett CEO. But when the real estate market started changing and transitioning in 2005-06 and the real estate market in California just went down, down the hill rapidly and many companies went from making millions down to losing profits and closing companies and consolidating, my first course of action is uh, one of the first years two I was in the CEO was to cut and consolidate. So of those 105 offices that I mentioned to you, my team and I closed 35 or 38 of those in the first year and a half of me stepping in that role. Uh, and so after about a two or two and a half year period, it was about a month, be- about a week before Christmas, I then got a casualty of corporate America and I got pushed out and fired as the CEO. And they put the guy in under me that made less money and you know the whole po- politics around that. So I found myself pushed out into the world in one of the worst real estate markets that existed. And I decided to become an entrepreneur and start my own real estate company. So I took that, that change and that forced change that wasn't chosen at the time and I turned it from lead into gold, and I opened my own real estate company, and for five years ran a very successful real estate company, and um, so that was kind of the premise of it, and then I tied a lot of other changes in my life in that same premise. So talk about what you did differently once you were on your own. Yeah, probably what I did differently um, was I was more, you know, I, people say, what, what does really entrepreneurial mean? And I think entrepreneurial is a little bit more risk-taking. It's a little bit more relying on your team to have more creative involvement in the process and not to be so cookie cutter on how things have to be done because accounting or administration or operations says it have to be, has to be done that way. We probably got a little bit more involved in creative projects that we tried and took risk trying divisions, products, programs that in our corporate uh, America type of environment weren't always favored and weren't always uh, able to be taken. And we probably got a little bit more fun and creative on some of our marketing and, and uh, efforts that we did on messaging and programs in the community that we did with messaging and fun slogans. And we just probably had more fun in doing what we were doing, even though it was a, more, it was a very, very brutal real estate market. So I think I just felt more free in experimenting in being, um, you know, being a leader. And I, I was more transparent in my leadership. I was probably more vulnerable in my leadership and more authentic than I was being a, a suit guy in corporate America having to know I had to answer to you know, shareholders and, and various people that, uh, right. that regulated what we did. Yeah, answer to Warren Buffett. So, so is it inevitable that as an enterprise grows from an entrepreneurial venture that 
is it a necessity that the f- creativity be squeezed out of it, the flexibility be squeezed out of it, the, the fun be squeezed out of it? You know, I don't think it's a necessity, but I think it's common. I think as companies grow and they go from being, you know, the different stages of life that, you know, we all have going from being a baby to a toddler to becoming, a, you know, adolescent to a teenager to an adult. I mean, everything has, we were talking about change earlier, everything changes. And I find when companies, the larger that companies get and the more successful they get, it's hard to maintain <clears throat> the culture, the vibe, and the energy of whoever originally started the company. Um, so, you know, whether you're Southwest Air- Airlines or you're Google or you're a- Amazon or whoever you might be, once you get to certain magnitudes of growth, you have to have systems in place. You have to have processes that are sometimes more cumbersome than you expected them to be to really make sure that things are staying in line. And sometimes what happens is I find that people become very militant about the process under the leadership that don't always convey the same heart and spirit and message. And so then people start getting paranoid, people start protecting themselves, corporate politics start happening, fear comes into play. And I think people do lose a bit of enthusiasm, um, especially in longevity in companies, longevity in certain positions, and if you're dealing with a very down market. I mean, when you're building a company and you're growing it and you're having fun, you know, there's a lot of fun. I mean, we were going Prudential California Realty. When you're opening offices and hiring agents and doing deals, that's a lot of fun. But when you're closing and consolidating, which is a necessity part of a business, it's no fun and there's a lot of fear that creeps up in a company. So, um, you nice know, that they, and it's also, I was going to say, it's nice they let you do that so that the guy they brought in behind you didn't have to take uh, yeah. responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And that's not uncommon. And, no, and I, no. If I was a guy that bucked the system as too, I was very vocal. I mean, I had helped be part, I mean, I, I obviously didn't single-handedly go to that company, but, you know, there was many, many people that did. But when you're part of something that starts very small and you build it to a level and you had blood, sweat, and tears into hiring people and offering people opportunities and jobs and you know what people did for the company and you know how hard it was to get a certain lease in a location that took years to finally find the right spot and get it. And then, you know, when they bought the company, one of the messages were, well, you're going to be so glad that you have Warren Buffett money behind you when, you, when the going gets tough because we can sustain tough markets and well, I, I get that you have to cut in business, but that, the, that company had been in existence for almost 18 years before it was purchased by Warren Buffett. And when we were in down markets as entrepreneurs, we grew. We went out and took the opportunity when everyone else was downsizing and running out and closing and you know, the, all the different cycles we went through in the real estate space, we took that opportunity to grow. And that's, I think, sometimes different with being an entrepreneurial company versus being a corporate company is entrepreneurs are willing to take more risks. So you're not cutting people off who helped you get to where you got to. And in corporate, it seems like, you know, you're in one day, you're out the next sometimes, and, and, and you get cut off at the knees. So that's part of that game. And I knew that was the game I was playing. And up to that point, I was part of the people, people cutting off uh, legs and trying to do it with as much respect as possible. But it's never easy to do that. So, no, it, no. Never, never easy. So um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, sort of your three phases of change, because I think a really important message to get out. And uh, we'll be right back with my guest, Steve Rogers. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. 
Welcome back with my guest, Steve Rogers. He's a consultant and author of a book, Led to Gold. I got it right this time. An Entrepreneur's Guide Through Transition, Transformation, and Evolution. So let's talk about these three phases of change. But before we do that, you, know, you, you talk about sort of purpose-based growth. So I presume that's talking about you know, going away from a purely money-centric motivation to something that has a, a larger purpose that you're trying to, to execute in your plan. So what is that? I mean, how does somebody transition from that money-centric motivation to saying, okay, there's something, something you know, larger, a different goal we're headed here for other than just making a ton of money? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and I, I guess it would sum up to kind of what's your own personal legend. Uh, you know, like in the in the book uh, The Alchemist, where where Santiago is finding his own personal legend of, of of making a difference and being a purpose of the world, and ultimately being in love um, with Fatima, who he found. But you know, I think most people have some nudging or calling that they have that calls them to hire to hire something. Whether it's you know being involved in a philanthropic organization, whether it's helping kids in school, whether it's being more connected to their higher power, whether it's serving God whether it's being at some higher level. I think most people, when they're working to try and make money, they're doing that because they want to be something. They want to have something, and they want to experience something. And many people want to realize that their life makes a difference here on this planet. And I think all of us along the way ask ourselves, what's life really all about? Why am I here? How can I make a difference? Um, you know, and do I matter to others? And you know, can I live and, and, and live my life's full purpose? So what I like to do when I'm uh, working with people in my old company and now as a consultant is really start asking them that questions early on in the process so we can define what that looks like. And then we ask them, are you living that life now? Uh, and if you're not living that life now, what can we do to help you transition either within the own company, your own company that you have or in your own employee position or wherever you might be, what can we do to help you transition from your out now to then transform into something else you want to be that are stepping stones and ultimately evolve to, to you're at that higher place experiencing those things more in your life versus less. And it's really a, a process of going through, and many of people have done business plans and processes and goals, and that's part of this, but it's also then life planning, doing that same kind of measurable step-by-step um, -step process in your spirituality, your health, your fitness, your relationships, your community involvement. And then that whole package kind of helps people understand where do we start this journey at. Well, and so in your mind, is that that if you're an entrepreneur and you got your head down for 24-7, that you, know, you may be getting stuff done, but you're probably not operating at your peak. Because if you have, as you said, if you have more certainty in sort of these other aspects of your life, you know, in terms of, yeah, what is this sort of higher goal that you're trying to achieve, whether it's you know, supporting a philanthropic organization or it's spiritual or it's something else altogether again, is that, I think the implication is that that makes you more effective. Yeah, I think it does, and it becomes your fuel. Um, what I found, if you, can, if you keep tapping into your why you're doing something, you know, a lot of times people say, I want to own my own business so I have more time or freedom. Well, what do you want to do with more time and freedom? I want to spend more time with your family. Well, if you want to spend more time, what will that look like? Where will you, what does that mean, spending time with your family? Will you travel? Will you have family meetings? Will you, you know, do homeschooling with your kids? What, what does that mean? And so when people keep tying back into the why, it allows on those days when it gets really tough being an entrepreneur or being even in a corporate job or wherever it might be, on those days that are tough where you just feel beat up and you feel like lack of energy and you feel like, does this really even matter? Or maybe your profits are waning or your sales aren't where they want to be. Those days are very difficult. And if you're not tapping into the why and keep reminding yourself or having someone help you remind it through having vision boards and dream boards and mastermind groups and 
um, discussions with your family about why, why you're doing this and what it means, then a lot of times that fuel tank that you need as an entrepreneur runs empty. Uh, and so I do believe, yes, that, that that becomes a necessary element to sustain it. Because I think a lot of times people get so caught up in being an entrepreneur and the day-to-day -day grind, as you talk about, that sometimes our dream that we originally had becomes our nightmare. And we feel like we've gotten trapped in our businesses and we've gotten trapped in um, what our life we thought was going to be. And it's not really that. And then we become like an anchor, you know, and our life becomes anchored down and that's no fun. So what's the symptom if you're an entrepreneur? What's the sign? What's the signal that things need to change? I think one is a st starting to have a feeling of resentment where you start feeling like you get up in the morning that your, your, your energy to get out of bed is heavier that you're feeling like you know the enthusiasm to get your feet on the floor is not as much as it was the day before, the week before. And then if you start having resentments that you realize you're doing other things to avoid doing things in your business, whether that's more procrastination, whether that's drinking more, whether that's uh, you know going through emails and Facebook more just to kind of you know you realize you're wasting more time. So I find when people are not on purpose, they do things to fill up their life because they're they're having a sense of resentment and they're not feeling fulfilled. So when you're, if you start getting in that space <clears throat> and you don't kind of course correct on that sooner than later, that can become really built up and start causing deeper resentments and start causing, you know, at the, at the, most, <clears throat> at the most extreme, addiction. Uh, it can start causing, you know, bad self-destructive habits. Uh, but it starts out typically for me as if you can't get out of bed in the morning with great enthusiasm <laughs> on most days, then you probably realize there's some stuff going on and heaviness in your business that you need to work through and start trying to find a new reservoir of energy and redirection to get your mindset in the right place. And one of the things you mentioned uh, before is you, you know, a number of support groups and you know, mastermind groups, uh, coaching groups. You know, if you're a member of uh, a Vistage chair, you belong to the entrepreneur organization or have a variety of uh, coaches you find online or in your community or you know, other groups you can, you can talk to, including your family, is that it's important to have those. And I think that, that increasingly we've seen in the last year or two a, a real, a, a, what I consider a really positive uh, increase in the amount of uh, talk and discussion about uh, you know, people joining these groups, these support groups, because you need somebody to talk to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you know, as much great as social media is, and they've got a lot of there's a lot of great groups you can find on Facebook and social media with people that are sharing ideas, but there's nothing like being face-to-face -face with someone who's laughing or sharing ideas or tears or whatever it might be, and they're on a common path that you are where they can understand where you're coming from. And you can share ideas, you can get stuff off your chest, you can express, but I am a big believer of masterminds. I know, you know Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, talks a lot in his books uh, about the power of masterminds, uh, and I am a big believer of those. And I'm also a big believer of having coaches. I had a, a business coach that I paid for back from 1994 when I first took over a real estate office for Prudential. And every year thereafter, up until even now, uh, I have a business or a life coach. Um, and I've had some really, really great people. I've had people like Brian Tracy at one point that was my, business, my personal business coach for two years. I've had mentors like Marshall Goldsmith and John Astroff who worked with me and, and helped me get to higher levels of thinking. And I think masterminds and coaching pushes you and it challenges you and it puts a mirror up to you. And it also shows you what else you can be if you're in admiration of others and how do you possibly get to the lifestyle that a piece of what they do, does that also fit your lifestyle? So I, I do think those are all great tools. Yeah, and lifestyle not defined just purely as money, but as an all-encompassing lifestyle. <clears throat> yeah, I, I find that money is important for sure. We all want money. I, I work with one of my clients are wealth managers and they manage people that have you know, millions of dollars. And 
You know, it, the old adage has been said many times, money doesn't make you happy. Money makes life easier and money makes life things, but money also magnifies things that are still going on and wrong with your life. So to me, lifestyle is not, the smallest piece of lifestyle is the money piece. The other piece is really making sure that money is important, yes, but you are mapping out all those other areas we talked about earlier and that you're really, really conscious of creating balance, time, and energy and scheduling tasks and, and events that make those things in your life that you say are important really actually happen. Okay, so we've done transition. Let's talk about transformation. So you've you know things need to change. You know how do you how do you enroll people in being going through this transformation? Yeah, part of it is having a daily ritual. I have something that I do for myself that another coach taught me, which is um, uh, rating your your life on certain areas, and and that's like giving points for your bonds, your being, your body, uh, your business, and and having these categories that I give myself a little daily report card. And then on that report card, it makes me realize that, okay, I've got to figure out how to have some type of rating system in my body, being business, and my bonds. And then I realize if I'm not getting my points, my one point for each day on those categories that I set up, I realize something's out of whack. Um, and then I also have a daily ritual. So I make sure that every day I, you know, I have a daily ritual that encompasses exercise, meditation, affirmations, and then writing out my importance for uh, th that day and recapping what I want. But those things help accelerate transformation. And when you know you're in transformation is when, when things start feeling more exciting, when things start feeling like there is some light at the end of the tunnel, when you are getting support group or help or you're at least open to taking those steps. And so transformation is when you've made that initial business plan and life plan and you realize as you start checking things off that you're actually making progress. And those are signs of transformation, which I do find, you know, create a more sense of energy and excitement. So, and you're talking about, let's start with the scorecard. Go back to that for a second. Is you... Either on your computer or physically on a piece of paper, you've got a scorecard that you're actually writing down every day. You're still not doing this in your head. No, it's actually on, I do it on a I do it on a piece of paper just because I like to write it down. But I give myself so there's body, being, business, and bonds. So for my body, if I work out that day and I eat right, I get a half a point for each, and that's one point. For my being, if I do my meditation and I do my prayer in the morning. And then, I, and then I also am doing some type of spiritual reading that day. Then I get a half a point for each of those. That's my being. For my business, if I'm working on something that I'm working in my existing business and working on my business, and then I work in my business, where I'm doing something that creates future revenue or future, future thinking on my business, there's a half a point for each of those. So that's another point. And then bonds is relationships with my wife and my family that I make sure that some, something during the day I'm making some effort to show my wife or my immediate family that I love them. And that I'm doing that for someone outside of my immediate family, whether it's a special email, a phone call, uh, a card, a gift. And if I do those two things, I get a point. So then I get four points a day. Uh, and my goal is by the end of the week to have 28 points. And sometimes I hit 24 points. Sometimes I get 23 and a half. But then I've got this scorecard that just kind of becomes a fun little exercise that I do. And I use that with my clients as well. So what's your average weekly score? Um, actually, I'm at about a 26. So where do you fall down? <laughs> um, I fall down. Uh, I can. I you know. I actually fall down on my business. Um, the points that I don't always get is working on my business for future business. So I still have. I still have the same problem everybody else has is getting bogged down in the day to day stuff of my business, and I'm not always prospecting and doing future creation of creating my business on a daily basis like I expect I'm supposed to. Right. Yeah. As you said, you're working in it, not on it. That is really important. I mean, you. I know a lot of coaches talk about having an accountability partner and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't always make that happen. But 
at least then you've got a really black and white way to become accountable to yourself. Absolutely. Agreed. Excellent. Okay. So the last point then is, is evolution. So what's the evolution? You've transitioned, you've transformed through power of habit and keeping track of what you're doing. So what, what's the evolution? Yeah, evolution is where you get to that point that you get to spend more time and where you're finding more of your bliss. So whether that is in, you know, a lot of times people say, God, I'm off work, I can finally do X. You know, I can go to the beach, I can run, I can go uh, boarding, I can be in meditation, I can feel like I'm at peace. So evolution is really where you get to this point that you feel there's more in a balance of your day of where you consider kind of the tougher, more difficult things you do and that you have more of a balance in things that you consider your bliss. And when you get to that point, um, and for me, that is having more time to be in meditation, it's to be in spirituality, and it's to be with my family. And when I find I have more time to be there and be present, that I'm actually present in the present moment, uh, which is another big thing I like to talk with people about, about being where your feet are, being where your head is, and being where your heart is in that moment, then you start realizing that that really is an evolution into a place that most of us are trying to get to, regardless of what's happening with the money, regardless of what's happening with the business, regardless of what's happening everything else. When you find you can start living more in the present moment and you're actually there and you start recognizing that that's happening more and more, that's really a form of evolution in my, in my description. Yeah, and, you're, and it's really talking about a, a path, again, for entrepreneurs and, and professionals that are listening to this. It's, it's a path to reducing stress. Yes, it's an absolute way to put it. Great way. Yeah, because if you're creating more peace in your life, sure. Exactly. If you're if you're in in the moment, if and we talk about this in sales. I mean, it's part of what I talk a lot about. Is you know, I borrow from the the technique of mindfulness. Right? Is is you know the only moment that's important is this moment here, and you need to be in this moment. Yes. And if you're a salesperson with a customer, you know, if your mind starts to wander, you know, tension starts to wander, then suddenly you're losing right there. And uh, the same thing is true in your personal life. I mean, if, if your relationship is a business relationship, personal relationship, if you're not there in the moment, then you're not, not getting out of it what you should. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just like, you know, you can train yourself physically to, to run, to do kung fu, to eat better. Those are all things you train yourself to do. You can train your mind and your spirit to do what you're talking about. Those are habits that can be trained to be more present in the present moment. Uh, and I think that we're not always aware of that and, you know, being conscious when you're, we say we're working so hard so we can have more time with our family, but yet then when we're our families, we're not present. We're on our iPhones. We're, we're preoccupied with the stress of the deal. We're not listening to our wife at dinner. And that's a reality of everyday life. But if you can find yourself that you're doing less of that and you're being more present with that person you're sitting with in that moment, that's a sign of evolution. Excellent. Excellent. Well, good lessons today for both, uh, work and personal and, given they're so connected, that's really important that we, we talked about it. So we're going to move to the last segment of the show, Steve. I've got questions I ask all my guests, and uh, I'm going to pose them to you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So the first one is a hypothetical scenario, and this would be a great one for you as an entrepreneur and as a former CEO. The hypothetical scenario is you've just been hired as a new sales leader in a company whose sales have stalled, and senior management really wants things turned around in a hurry, so what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? I would, uh, the very first thing I would do is I would sit down with the existing sales team that I have and have them all sell me something um, and have them individually all sell me something. And I would do some immediate role playing with that team uh, in role playing with me being involved with them at the ground level. Um, the other thing that I would do is I probably would um, immediately start looking for additional salespeople 
um, that I would not necessarily hire in that moment, but that I would be hiring to up my hand if those salespeople don't make it. So I would immediately do both of those things, try and better my team and try and immediately start looking for other talent. Okay, start building a, a potential bench. Yes. All right, all right, good. So now we've got some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. So when, think back in your career or even now when you're selling your services, when you're selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Being authentic. Name one tool you use for managing your sales that you can't live without. My iPhone. <laughs> Who's your sales role model? Uh, at this point, I would have to say Brian Tracy. And besides your own book, what's one book that you think every entrepreneur should read? Uh, one that just comes to mind that I just read uh, was called um, Pitch Anything. Um, and it's Oren... I forgot the last name at the moment. Uh, I see San Diego based as well, but it's Pitch Anything, and it's a great, great book on how to pitch any sales uh, product in front of a group or individually to someone, and I thought it had a lot of great stuff in it. Okay. So what music's on your playlist now? Uh, I have anything from uh, James Taylor to uh, Pink to uh, Fleetwood Mac uh, to Rihanna. Oh, interesting. I just was in, uh, <laughs> digress for a second, I was in Maui and... I don't know if you've been in, in uh, Lahaina where Mick Fleetwood owns a restaurant. Yeah, and, I've heard of it. I've not been to his restaurant, but I heard he had one there. I love Maui, and I love his music, and I'm sure I would love his restaurant. Yeah, well, we didn't go to the restaurant, but there was a performing space, and so he has a local band that he performs with. And so we went and saw it a couple weeks ago when we were in, in town. So he's you know, at the drums, and uh, this is like the day after David Bowie died, so he had a long so, you know, personal remembrance of David Bowie. And then... Uh, I don't know, after five or six songs, suddenly the silver-haired guy gets up and sits at the piano. It's Michael McDonald. And, oh, my God. The <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, I love Michael. So he sat in with him for a bit, and then there was this uh, fabulous local musician called Willie Kay, who's a incredibly energetic uh, sort of blues musician. It was, it, was, it was a great show. Anyway, I just bring that up because... I would have loved that. I love both. I love Michael McDonald, one of my favorite singers. The Doobie Brothers used to love them. Yeah. Okay, so on to business. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? Uh, I meditate. Okay. And last question for you. The one question you get asked most frequently by entrepreneurs. How do I break through uh, lagging profit, uh, lagging profits and get to the next level of sales? And your answer is? Uh, my, my answer is make sure that you are pricing your product properly and it's of high value to the, the, the consumer. Uh, and sometimes it's about repricing your, pro your product and your value proposition. Okay. Good. So I want to thank you for joining. My guest today has been Steve Rogers. Steve, how can people find out more about you? Yes, you can go to thealchemyadvisors.com, thealchemyadvisors.com, and all my contact info and uh, stuff is on that particular site. Excellent. Okay. Remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is a great way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Steve Rogers, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. 
Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.